Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. And I do want to go ahead and thank Elizabeth for sending along a one-time donation. Thank you so much for your support, Elizabeth. In addition, you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Under Arrest. The original air date is July the 10th of 1949, and the title is Evil Witness. Mutual presents Under Arrest, directed by Martin Mugner, and starring Joe DeSantis as police captain Jim Scott. Under Arrest! Into yourselves! Criminals Behind Bars, Under Arrest, the story of police captain Jim Scott's fight against crime. Hello, Coleman. Oh, Captain Scott, I knew you'd come. What do you want? I'm innocent. Every man in the death house says that. Well, I'm not every man. I'm me, me, Ben Coleman. Yeah, but only till noon tomorrow unless you help me. You shut down a cop on a payroll stick-up. Why should I help you? Because I was framed. So long, Coleman. Oh, wait. Every cop killer says he was framed. Scott. Scott, I'm on my knees to you. You're my last chance. You can prove I'm innocent. In the next 14 hours? Not a trial a week long. Scott, 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 into my head comes a thing from the Bible. The, the heart of heart, no, no better, and, and maybe forgiven, but, but the gentle of heart, who, who do know, and yet harden their hearts, how, how will they answer to themselves afterward? What have you got, Coleman? A tip, a tip by the grapevine. There's a guy from Tether who really killed that cop and stole a payroll. He, he got into town last week, name him McGraw, and you can find him at 2801 River Street. See him, Scott, please. You're a faker, Coolman. That Bible quote of yours, that's not the way it goes at all. But the sense is right. So long. Before Captain Scott decides what to do in the case of the evil witness, may I have a word with you? When you buy an appliance for your home, you know that performance is what counts. All the shiny chrome in the world can't help an egg beater that doesn't beat eggs. Well, in much the same way, the test of our American economic system is, does it work? Free enterprise, competition, and a fair reward for a day's work have served to create our economic strength. The devil himself must have been behind that young fellow, Ben Coolman, to make him haul off and sock me with that misquote from the Bible. Because it got me. I went down to the 2800 block on River Street, which is at no time, and especially at night, a suitable place for a Girl Scout picnic. As I turned into the block, it was a little rougher than that. 
There were shots and a sedan driving around the far corner and out of sight. I started running toward where the shots had been fired at the same time that everybody else in the block, brawling kids, blousy women and men in their undershirts, ran away from it. I came to the spot. Right beside the corner lamp post, the man was sprawled, face down across the curb. A quick search, no papers. I grabbed the lamp post call box. Captain Scott at River and 28th Street. I want an ambulance and a patrol car fast. Here's the one you're the law, mister. <laughs> Is that a good bet? Sure winner. Did you see this happen? <laughs> I hear it happen, mister. Uh, I'm in a cigar store and I just come to the door when the shots go off. Is he dead, the guy? Four bullets in him, but not dead. By the way, where's number 2801 on this block? Right there. Next to the cigar store, mister. Uh, that's where this guy come out of. I thought you said you were inside the cigar store. I was, I was. I know the guy, mister. At least I met him last night. He places a couple of parlies with me. Uh, name of Frank McGraw. A nice fella. McGraw? Look, friend, did you notice anybody who might have seen more than you did? Sure. Uh, just when I'm standing in the doorway, uh, there's a dame who must have seen the whole thing. A dame where? Uh, across the street, number 2804, third floor. Uh, see that open window? There was a dame looking out of it. <laughs> she don't belong in this block. But she's still up there. Unless she goes out the back way. Okay, here come my boys in the ambulance. Thanks for the tip. Yes? I'm Captain Jim Scott, police headquarters. I'd like to talk to you a minute, Mr. Uh... Bud Ellison. Come on in. Thanks. Uh, this way. After you. Oh, uh, what's on your mind, Captain? Oh, excuse me. Uh, Captain Scott, police, this is my friend of mine, Edie. Oh, yeah. You probably both know, a few minutes ago, there was a serious accident in River Street right out front here. Accident, Captain? What kind? I wonder if either of you saw it, or any part of it. Well, I've been in the kitchen, Captain, fixing up some scrambled eggs. You can't see the street from there, only from this room. I see both windows are open. Miss, did you happen to see anything? I was reading a magazine, Captain. How you must concentrate. Did you hear any noise? Uh, yeah, come to think of it. Thought it was kids with firecrackers or a truck backfiring. But naturally, I heard your siren looked out. A fellow down in the street told me he saw a woman looking out of one of these windows just before the accident. Said she must have seen the whole thing. But, <laughs> you hiding my rival somewhere in here? <laughs> Edie's the only lady here, Captain. I guess we can't help you. Uh, what kind of an accident was it? I guess I shouldn't have called it an accident. It was more like attempted murder. Sorry to bother you both. Good night. Good night, Captain. Gosh. The guy shot down right in the street. It happens. Well, the streets were full of kids, people. Kind of a murdering moron would shoot and not care what he hit. Sounded to me like he hit just the guy he meant to. Only he didn't entirely get him. Well, how do you know he didn't? That cop said it was attempted murder. To me, that means the guy's still alive. Hmm. I must say Captain Scott got here fast. Yeah, he seemed to climb right up out of the ground. The guy fell down and boom, there he was. What? I mean, he must have showed up right after shots were fired. Happenstance of it. Edie, you did see what happened. No, I didn't. You were at the window. Scott said somebody saw a woman and it couldn't have been anybody but you. Why didn't you tell him? I didn't see anything, bud. You told Scott you were reading a magazine. There... There isn't even a magazine in this room. Bud, come here. 
You saw the whole thing. Why didn't you tell Scott? Come here, bud. Put your arms around me. You afraid of gangsters or something? Listen, bud, if I said I saw it, it'd get in the papers, wouldn't it? And my husband would read it. Uh, your, your husband? I didn't tell you before, bud, but I'm married. And if my husband found out I was seeing you, he'd get mad. So really, I was protecting you, bud. You mad at me? They'll catch that killer some other way. Only, bud, please don't be mad at me. I didn't dare say anything. On account of you. By now, I thought Ben Coolman's claim of having been framed into the death house looked pretty sound. McGraw, who could have cleared him, shot down to keep him quiet. But I had no witnesses except that girl, Edie. I knew she was lying. She hadn't been reading any magazine. But if witnesses won't talk, it's hard to make them. Especially a good-looking raven hair like that. When I got to the city hospital, though, McGraw was still alive but unconscious. My case hung now on him. So I waited and waited and waited until they called me in. McGraw was showing some signs of regaining consciousness. I'll keep the inhalator going, Captain Scott. McGraw. Listen, Ben Coolman, your friend, told me you can save him from the chair. Tell me what you know about that cop killing. I want to save Coolman, McGraw, and I need your help. Who shot you from that car tonight? McGraw, anything you can tell me for a lead, one name, one fact, try hard, McGraw. Try! I'm sorry, Captain Scott. He's dead. Joey? Edie. What are you doing in the garage? I knew you'd be coming back to the house to change the plates on the car, Joey. Besides, I got news. Listen, look. I know I got McGraw. That could wait. It's not that, Joey. From the street, somebody saw me at the window. And a cop came up to that guy's apartment. Oh, Bud Ellison's. It wasn't a blue boy, either. It was a plainclothes captain, Jim Scott. Uh-uh. Did you tell him anything? No. Pretty soon, Bud Ellison doped out. I saw the thing happen. The only way I could shut him up was tell him I was married and my husband would find out about it. Well, honey bunch, that's true enough. Then what? I got him quiet. When I left, I went into a beanery across the way and pretty soon he came out and went, where do you think? To headquarters. Why? Looking for Scott, I guess. Came out right away and then I tailed him to the city hospital where McGraw is. Then he came out of there and went home. Just like a woman to hold the big news to the last. Ah, this is bad, Edie. But you ought to get me out of town tonight. Change the license plate and let's go. Let me think, will you? If McGraw was out of the way, they could never hang that cop killing on you and Ben Coomer take the long sit tomorrow. But Ellison might lead Scott to me, and for me to you, it isn't very far. Stop yakking, William. I'm trying to think. But Joey, honey... Listen, look. The last bulletin on the radio said McGraw's dead. Why didn't you tell me? That means I'm in the clear, all right, on the killing Coleman's framed for, but I'll be hot on account of McGraw if your boyfriend keeps acting up the way you say. Boyfriend? I only picked up Bud Ellison so I'd get into that apartment and point out McGraw for you. Give me that boyfriend stuff. I wouldn't get mad if you liked the guy. I saw him. Nice-looking gazebo. Joey, you crummy heel. I'm nuts about you. Nobody else. <laughs> Keep your skin on, baby. I was only kidding. Let me know it, Joey. Come here, you monkey. <sighs> That's my boy. Okay, Joey, what's the move? 
First, we go into the house for a cold beer. Then I change the plates on the car. And then we go after Bud Ellison. I'm back, Coleman. Oh, Scott. Did you see McGraw? Yeah, I saw McGraw. Four bullets from a car just as I got there. Dead? Later. What could he have told me, Coleman? The name of the guy who killed that cop, he saw the stick-up happen. It was upstate. He got scared and ran away. I didn't want to tell you before, but you'd have had to sweat it out of him. Who could have shot him? You know as well as I do, Scott, the real killer of that cop. The guy I'm... I'm going to sit in for tomorrow. Do me a favor, Scott. Sure. This, uh, this envelope... Inside, there's a picture of my folks out west and, and my wife. I refused to see her the last six months. But, well, tomorrow, after 12 o'clock, high noon, look up my wife and get this to her, will you? Clayburg, upstate. Hmm. Funny on what little things a man's life can hang. On River Street, a shifty little bookie told me. You happen to know a guy named Bud Ellison? No. Well, he might have been of some help, but he wasn't. How about a girl named Dee Dee? Dee Dee what? I didn't get the last name. She Is was... she tall? Black hair and violet eyes? You know her? Well, look at this snapshot. That girl, Edie's your wife. Yeah. Wait, wait, where'd you see her, Scott? D- didn't she tell you who she was? I... No, she didn't, but... Well, there was no reason to call me. Oh, where'd you see her? On River Street, near where McGraw got shot. Oh, I wrote to her about McGraw only last week, soon as I found out. She must have been on her way to see him. Scott. Scott, you can find her. Maybe she talked to McGraw before you got there. Find her, Scott, please. Yes, Coolman, I will. If he's anywhere in the state, I'll find her. Sleep tight, kid, and pray hard. Maybe it's gonna pay off. We'll continue our drama in just a moment. There are two great economic and social systems in the world that have one great difference. Under one system, private ownership of material wealth and private control of the means of production are outlawed. Under our own American economic system, private ownership of material wealth is open and free, and private control of the means of production is encouraged. Here, under our American system of private enterprise and capitalistic democracy, a man may earn as much as he's able and invest his money as he chooses. He may become one of many thousands of stockholders in vast industrial organizations and thus an owner of the means of production. And he may invest in land, in a home, in automobile and clothing, and all of the modern comforts which our system affords to all. And thus he becomes the private owner of the things that our economic genius produces. Now, this productive genius, unrivaled in the world, has been nourished by the American traditions of personal freedom. Freedom to work where you choose, to bargain collectively, to make a fair profit in a competitive market, and to invest earnings in new productive capacity and thus increase output. Our American economic system has proved its value. It has produced more of the good things of life for more people than any other system. It has not only brought us to our high level of living, it has also enabled us to help millions of others who are not so fortunate. 
Now, we return you to Under Arrest. This is Captain Jim Scott, wanted for questioning about murder of Frank McGraw, Bud Ellison, 2804 River Street, and Edie Coleman, address unknown, 26, 5'8", raven, black hair, violet eyes, wearing a green print dress, speed counts. Her husband, Ben Coolman, is scheduled to die in less than eight hours, and he may be innocent. This is sucker stuff, Joey, coming right back to River Street. Listen, look, we got to get our hands on Bud Ellison. He can sink us both. Clean this up, Edie, and we beat it to the West Coast and enjoy that dough at last. Okay, Joey. Here I go. Hey, Captain, Captain. Oh? That, that day I shut the window before. She wouldn't talk to you, huh? What's she? You spend all your time in doorways? If you had to live in the lousy room I got, you'd you'd like doorways better too, Captain. <laughs> You're on your way to see Bud Ellison again, huh? Know him too? I, I live in the same flea bike. He ain't there. Where is he? With that dame again. What? <laughs> Ten minutes ago, I see him come out with it. Tallest girl, green dress, cold black hair? Some dish. Tall for a runt like me, but some dish. Where did she and Ellison go? Captain, let me ask you one question. How can I make dough out of this? Bookie business no good? Who said I'm a bookie? But a guy like me just naturally picks up a lot of dope, Captain. Especially in a neighborhood like this. With business so lousy, I could go on relief where I could peddle hot tips here and there. <laughs> to you, for instance? You'd rather be a stool pigeon than a reliefer? Well, it comes to the same thing, Captain. Either way, it's a taxpayer's money I get, but... Earning it lets me keep myself respect. What's your name? Um, Shifty Bass. Listen, Shifty. Hey, hey, let go. Hey, what's the matter? You're a bookie and I can run you in unless you talk. Where did Ellison and the girl go? They went around the corner, two blocks up. Horse players, tavern, the paddock. Paddock, thanks. What a... Honest, Bud. If I wasn't so scared of my husband finding out, I'd go right to Captain Scott. That's why I came back to see you. I like you, Bud, and we have fun together. I don't want you to be mad at me. So if you insist... Edie, did you see anything, really, that might help Scott? I don't know what would help him, but I I think I saw the last three numbers on the license plates. I could only be... Bud... A flash? I just remembered something more. I'll tell you on the way. Come on, we go see Scott. Uh, waiter, here's a buck for the drinks. Uh, maybe we can find a cab, Edie. I've got a car around the corner. Uh, hold it. What? Just the guy we're going to see. Hello, Ellison. I've been looking for you. Well, that's lucky, Captain Scott. Edie and I are just now going this to... This girlfriend of yours? I don't care anything about her. You're the guy I'm after, Ellison. You're coming to headquarters with me. Captain Scott, I had Edie persuaded to tell you what she saw of that shooting. Why'd you grab me? This is my car. Sergeant Quinn, watch that tavern door for a girl in green. Get in, Ellison. Well, uh... that girl, Edie. How'd you meet her? Well, she was in a bar five, six days ago. You know. Back in your apartment, she saw the shooting, didn't she? Yes, and I made her admit it. Only she. Did she say why she wouldn't talk? 
her husband would find out about me, she said. And, and she what did she tell you just now? Well, she decided to talk anyway. She remembered something, and she was going to tell me on our way to see you. She said she had a car near here someplace. Did she say where exactly? Just just around the corner. I knew I was right to haul you out of there. Ellison, she wasn't going to take you anywhere near headquarters. What? Wait a second. Scott and Car X-27 calling headquarters. Scott and Car X-27. Get this. I want every available man in patrol car to throw a four-block cordon around the Paddock Tavern on 30th near River Street. Somewhere in this area, the murderer of Frank McGraw is waiting in a car. I don't know exactly where the car is or what the man looks like, but I think I can smoke him out. Get on it, rush. Captain, you think Edie's in with a killer? They were going to kill me too because... Holy smoke, you saved my life. Ellison, you stay in the car. I'm going back into the tavern. Raven-haired Edie was sitting in the booth where we'd left her, and I sat down opposite her. She had a frozen look on her face. Her eyes were wide and a little red around the rims. Back again, Captain? You're in a tough spot, Edie. Raymond. Somewhere near this joint, your killer boyfriend is waiting for you to show up with Bud Ellison. And you're sitting here, stuck fast. You can't go to him because of me. When you're scared to death, he'll get tired of waiting and come looking for you and find me. Don't you call that a tough spot? Scott, I, I was just telling Bud why I couldn't tell you anything about that shooting. Why? Because my husband found out I was friendly with Bud and maybe beat him up. I don't think they'd let Ben Coolman out of the death house for that reason. Oh, you know. Scott, uh, Ben wouldn't see me after he got caught. What was I supposed to do, swear off living? It was a coincidence I was in Bud's place. I, I had nothing to do with McGraw's killing. Much. Ben Roach, McGraw could clear him. He didn't know you tied up with that cop killer. Next, you appear on the scene, pick up Bud Ellison, because his apartment was a good spot to finger McGraw from. Only Ellison caught on. Why were you taking him out of here? To get him murdered, too, because he knew you saw the shooting? You're crazy! And you're scared. You're scared numb. Your eyes, those big violet eyes, keep jumping from me to the front door. Any second, you think that killer's going to walk in and you'll know we'll get him for killing that cop in the holdup and McGraw. Shut up! I'll give you a choice, Edie. Choice? We'll wait here till he shows up, or you can take us to him. What? If we wait till he walks in here, there'll be shooting. Innocent people might get hurt, so here's what I'll do for you. Lead us to him, to the car where he is right now, and I'll talk to the DA about you. I don't get you. <laughs> I know you now better than you know yourself. Before all this is over, you're going to crack and tell us everything you know. You're a gone goose no matter what, Edie. And gone geese always sing. But lead us to your boyfriend, and I'll ask the DA to give you a break. Scott, I could kill you. Edie, you haven't got the guts to sit here and wait. You're saying to yourself, there was Ben Coolman and Ellison, maybe others. What's one more man a double cross? Shut up! Shut up! This is where you were born to wind up, Edie. Beautiful Edie, trying to decide what's in it for me to double cross one more man, especially when I might get a shorter jail term for myself. You cracked the stem of your glass, Edie. I told you you can't take it. Cut myself, Scott. I'm bleeding. Will you lead us to that car? All you have to do is walk up to him. Get him out of the car. We won't show ourselves till the right moment. Now think fast, Edie. Because if he walks in that door and we take him without your help, I'll ask the DA to demand the chair for you, too. 
I wrapped the handkerchief around her hand. We walked out. I held her right elbow. Her body was stiff. She walked in little jerky movements. Trickles of sweat were forming on her temples. Out in the street, I passed the word to my boys and sent her on ahead. Five a.m. of Ben Coolman's last day on Earth. There was no traffic. And in each block, maybe only two or three all-night parkers. Off in the east, across the river, the sky showed a faint tinge of gray. Suddenly, the air had a damp, chill feel to it. Up ahead, Edie turned one more corner. Joe! Joey! You still there, Joey? Edie, where's the guy? I was almost coming after you. Something went wrong, Joey. Wrong? What? Ellison wouldn't... He wouldn't believe... What's the matter with you? You look like a stiff. I... I cut my hand. I feel funny. Let me move the car, Joey. Come around the other side. Open this door, Joey. Let me slide in past you. Please. My legs are going out from under me. For Pete's sake, okay. Okay, climb in. Joey. Get in, will you? We gotta get out of town fast now. Joey, I I wish I I'd known you. Somewhere else. I wish we were two other people. Joey, I love you. All right, you hands in the air. Cops. Hands in the air, you're under arrest. Edie. A double crosser. You let him to me. Drop that gun, you... I love you, Joey. No matter what happens, I love you. I love Shut you. Shut up. No! I hate your... That takes care of her, copper. Now, come on, get me. Quinn, let him have it. Want the rest of it, Coleman? Sure, go ahead. Joey. Joey Casper, near death as he was, wouldn't talk till he was convinced Edie was dead. Then he told the whole story. He shot the patrolman you were blamed for. And he killed McGraw so he couldn't play. And, uh, your wife, Edie, was in... Shut up. You know it. I remember her once. First time I met her. Maybe it was the second or third. It was the first I remember, you know. It was at Silver Beach, near where we both came from upstate. Edie had on a, a yellow beach coat over a bathing suit, no makeup. She never needed it. Oh, and that black hair and violet eyes. She was so beautiful. I... Don't tell me any more about her, Scott. That's the time I remember Edie. It's the only time I want to remember. It's one minute past twelve o'clock, high noon, Foreman. 
You're alive. You're going to be okay? You see, a guy never appreciates liberty till he loses it. And his life until he's about to lose it. Ask me again if I'm going to be okay. Coolman, let me open this door for you. You're not under arrest. You're free. Captain Jim Scott will be back in just a moment to tell you about next week's case. Meantime, take a look at this radio. That's right, your own radio there in your home. Plenty of people have radios, some larger than yours, some smaller. And that's just the point. Because you don't look at this radio in wonder. It's a common, everyday, accepted fact that you and so many millions have a radio in your home. And yet, in many parts of the world, in many millions of homes, there is no radio. And there isn't one in the next house or the next block. There may be only two or three in a whole town. Why? Because the American economic system is the only way of work that provides things like radio so plentifully and so inexpensively that everyone can be an owner. That's one small example of what free capitalistic democracy has done and continues to do. One reason why Americans know that our economic system works. Captain Jim Scott speaking. Next week, I am confronted with a series of mysterious fires, an unsolved murder, a missing gun, and an unusual firebox. I call it the case of arson by remote control. Be with me, will you, in my fight against crime. You have heard Under Arrest, presented by Mutual and starring Joe DeSantis as Police Captain Jim Scott. Today's case was especially dramatized for Under Arrest by Paul Milton. Original music was composed and played by Al Finelli. Heard in today's cast were Linda Watkins, Ralph Paul, Ralph Bell, that is, Larry Haynes, and Louis Van Ruten. All names of persons used in Under Arrest are fictitious. Any resemblance to names of actual persons, living or dead, is coincidental. This is Jack Farron speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Stay with us for Mr. Fix-It. Welcome back. I have to admit the misquoted Bible verse threw me. I do think it was actually good writing in a way to do it this way because the idea that everyone is going to have exact verbatim Bible verses memorized if they don't have some sort of background or training or or not generally religious can be a bit unrealistic. So he remembers the sense of this verse uh, Captain Scott immediately seems to know what he's talking about, and I'm not entirely sure uh, what he was um, referring to. I think it might have been Luke 12:47-48, and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according his 
to his will will receive a severe beating. But that one that did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Um, again, I'm not certain if that's the one that Ben was paraphrasing. I know we've had quite a few mis- uh, ministers email in and say they listen to the podcast, so if you're out there and you have a better idea as to uh, what the exact uh, scripture that Ben was paraphrasing, I'd be curious to know. I'd be curious to know because I think what I have is plausible. I'm not 100% sure it's right. The writers did a good job in giving uh, Ben a very inexact memory of what the uh, scripture said in that particular case. Unfortunately, it Uh, what exactly he's remembering may not be 100% clear to everyone other than that great theologian, Captain Scott. I also did love that bookie's reasoning that uh, whether he was uh, turning stooly or he was taking public assistance, either way he was going to be getting money from uh, taxpayers. And so he figured... Either way, the public was going to be paying him, so he might as well be providing the public a service. And I thought, yeah, that does actually kind of make sense. Though, of course, one thing we have heard on uh, a couple of those shows, I think uh, on one episode of the lineup, and I think on a few episodes of Dragnet, um, you know, depending on the city, oftentimes... Uh, the stoolie is not paid with public money, but the policeman uh, pays the stoolie for the information, and it's implied that they aren't necessarily reimbursed. Don't know if that was a totally accurate uh, view of what policing would have been like in New York City, or if that has uh, changed. I did think the bar scene was uh, actually a pretty uh, good idea, I love Captain Scott showing up just as she was about uh, to lead the guy uh, she'd seduced uh, to be murdered. And once again, uh, you just saw how Captain Scott is able to really project a certain mental toughness and lay on the pressure to get targets to cooperate. All right, well, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day now. I do want to thank Lori, Patreon supporter since April of 2020, currently supporting us. Level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Lori. And I do also have a programming note. I mentioned that we would be bringing you a previously uncirculated program in two weeks. Uh, we'll actually be continuing... On along that line for three more weeks. So we have one more week of under arrest and three more weeks of what we're going to be doing, which I will tell you about uh, next week. And then, then in five weeks, we'll be getting into the silent man. Well, that will actually be all for now. If you do have a calm, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Join us back here tomorrow. We'll be bringing you our 3,350th episode special.
And also, we'll be playing an episode of Public Domain Video Theater. It'll be the last of the 1940s Dick Tracy movies. And then on Monday, we'll bring you a Crime Photographer. And then next Saturday, our last episode of Under Arrest. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>